We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Suns podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how you doing? I am chilling, my friend. Uh, it's been a relatively mm-hmm. peaceful several days, at least in my view, uh, since we last mm-hmm. recorded. How have you been? Not bad. I got no complaints. I mean, I think that we did hear some news that sort of shook things up a little bit in the For past sure. day or two. So, and of course, we're going to get to that and talk about how that affects uh, maybe our moods or <laughs> our confidence levels in certain things. Uh, but yeah, I got no complaints. Um, it, it has been just an odd off season in general. I know we talk about this a lot, but just finding times to record and when to talk about things. I remember there was a time where I said, once this whole Durant thing gets figured out, then we'll get back to a normal schedule. And it's like, all right, we're, we're going <laughs> to have to just get, <laughs> we're just yeah. going to have to do it <laughs> at this point because who knows when it's going to happen. And that's sort of where we're at i think we, you know i don't even think it's just suns fans i mean at this point you could expand it to all the fan bases of other teams that have the desire of trading for kevin durant but even well beyond that anyone who covers the nba or just mm-hmm. regular fans of the nba who want sort of things to settle down and get back to some sort of uh normal with the way the offseason goes we're just all up in the air right now and look we're gonna cover it i think in greater detail later we're gonna talk about kind of more nuts and bolts stuff first but Especially the point you hit on there about the the greatest people covering the NBA, right? How much it's serving them right now to issue new slop to the masses and invent <laughs> new storylines, if you will, in uh, here in late July. Kind of just to continue right. continue eking whatever they possibly can out of this storyline as it drags on into the late summer. And who knows, maybe fall and into next season. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll get to it. There are updates. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening honestly knows what those updates are. But we'll talk about it a little bit later in the episode. There was though it, within all of this a Woj tweet, as everyone who has notifications on for Woj tweet tweets uh, that just showed up on all of our phones that started with the Phoenix Suns, 
which at that point, my heart rate already increases. (laughs) (laughs) But it went on to say, uh, have agreed to terms on a long-term extension with the coach, Monty Williams. So this was like the only real news, I think, that is like concrete that has come out about the Suns uh, since basically the Devin Booker extension, I think, that like beyond... Uh, that this is kind of the big thing that's happened outside of course the eight and stuff outside uh, yeah i was gonna say <laughs> that was kind of big yeah that was huge that was the whole off season so far really um but i mean you could sort of boil down the off season to without kevin durant being involved right if we didn't even know about kevin durant we essentially have an off season where deandre in the number one pick that the suns picked was re-signed devin booker signed a supermax extension and the suns extended monty williams which is pretty good and a lot of i think things that in some cases if you get used to rooting for a robert sarver owned team you know the things that don't need to happen don't always happen for this team right meaning a monty extension two years left on his deal didn't need to happen right but it did a devin booker extension didn't need to happen he could have gone to free agency at some point but it did and even matching deandre ayton's contract i think there was some you know trepidation to believe that that would even happen just for me at least and i think a lot of suns fans that especially the ones that have been around for a long time because of what we're used to but i think we'll focus now on the monty williams extension by the way it was it was worded as a long-term extension no real indication on how long that is yeah no Uh, specific number of years and, and no specific salary figure either that we got no uh, as, and well as i don't think I we've gotten his salary figure even from his first contract which was a five-year contract that's the only terms that we got i I, don't, I still don't think we know how much he makes i imagine it's a lot the suns did kind of steal him away from the lakers at that point so i imagine it was a lot but how do you feel what was your first reaction i think to the 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 woge tweet about monty's extension yeah it's an interesting question because actually my first reaction was uh kind of oh Okay, like, you know, like it kind of slipped my mind. We had definitely covered it on the podcast before. I remember at some point this offseason talking about, oh, and by the way, Monty Williams, he's got two years left on his deal. They could they could extend him. But I kind of put it away in in kind of that Cameron Johnson tier of things to tackle later after you Mm -hmm. take care of everything else and um, sort of put it out of my mind for a while. And then when this news came around, I mean, uh, let me just be clear, I'm 100 percent supportive of it for a number of reasons. Um, but my first initial reaction was that I was surprised that they were taking care of it right now. It's just I, I, I wasn't expecting it. What about you? Uh, I was as well. I think like if our understanding of his initial contract was a five-year contract, I don't think there was any sort of options built into that contract. I'm not even sure if that happens with coaches. I think it probably does. Uh, but what you don't want is a scenario where Monty Williams is considered a lame duck coach as as they tend to call it if he goes into that last year say he finishes this year and he goes into that last year he has one year left on his deal that's when things get complicated you know players are a little uncertain about the future of their coach and maybe they don't listen to them the same way or other teams start inquiring about interviewing him in that last year so so that he could be hired to another team so i think it's smart to have a coach on a long-term extension I think that some people probably hear this news and then, you know, immediately filter it through the perspective of game seven and the blowout <laughs> against the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. And even when even when you read the article about this extension, 
it mentions that the Suns were blown out in Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs. It's even in the article that uh, Woj wrote, or I don't know. Does Woj actually write those articles, do you think? <laughs> it's I, I, probably like an intern or something, right? <laughs> discussion for a different day, but continue. <laughs> it's in the article. And I think to some extent, yeah, that makes sense. And I think if you're saying that Monty Williams, there was things that he did incorrectly in that series... I think you could you you know you could make that case. I think you're probably right about that. You're factually and, correct in yeah, my view, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, if you're filtering it just through that, that's fine. But I think it's it's best to have the proper perspective on this extension, which is that Monty Williams has a 65% win percentage as a Suns coach so far, yep. including the best season the Suns have ever had, back-to-back seasons with over 70% win percentage. That's wild, uh, it, in and of itself. Also, Monty Williams has an excellent relationship with our best player in Devin Booker. Monty Williams and Devin Booker and their relationship is the reason that Chris Paul is on the Suns right now. And of course, this season Chris Paul joined, the Suns went to the finals. The combination of Monty Williams, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker is the reason Kevin Durant wants to play for the Phoenix Suns right now. And I don't think that it would be the same without Monty Williams. I know, I know that Devin Booker is the biggest draw here. But I don't think Monty Williams is that far behind. And I think Chris Paul is probably at the end of that ranking just because of his age alone. Of course, if he was in his prime, it'd be a different story. Uh, But Monty Williams has an effect on players. Players really love Monty Williams. And we've heard quotes from Kevin Durant talking about it and other players around the league. And, you know, when you talk about the turnaround for the Suns, you can talk about winning games and winning games does matter. And I know that culture is this term that is difficult to define when it comes to the NBA. But I think James Jones, Monty Williams, it starts with those two guys. And I don't think that the Suns could have changed the culture as much as they have without Monty. So from that perspective, I think this was a brilliant extension. And I'm really happy to, to have him with the Suns for as long as possible. Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of great points. Look, on the whole Game 7 thing, I think it's fair to include a tidbit about Game 7 in an article like that. Even if people Mm -hmm. see it as a shot, I think it's fair to include a tidbit about Game 7 in any article that comes comes out about any member of the Suns right now, be it Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, James Jones. It it, it doesn't really matter because, as I've said a million times, that game was an organizational failure on a scale that we haven't seen in basketball in, in a long time, and it falls on everyone's shoulders, not just one person or player. Um, that being said, perspective is the other thing you were talking about. Perspective is important. From our friend Kellen Olson, he tweeted right after this news came out that Monty Williams won 149 games in his first three seasons as Suns head coach after four different head coaches across the previous five seasons had amassed only uh, 126 games combined. When you think about the turnaround that has occurred in the Phoenix Suns organization over the past three years, Yes, Chris Paul was there for part of it, and he played a huge role. Yes, Devin Booker was there for the transition and played a huge role. But James Jones and Monty Williams really kind of coming there and instantly turning things around will always be emblematic of what this turnaround, what this changing culture, as you're speaking to, what all of that actually means. Um, So, yeah, I mean, look, does Monty have problems? Like, we can talk about Game 7. We can continue to talk about that series, personally. It frustrates the shit out of me, you know, that, like, he... He had this rigid defensive system that allowed Luka Doncic to cook Chris Paul, old man Chris Paul, 
over mm-hmm. a full seven game series and yep. uh, and and in a lot of ways was the death of us in that series in my view however in every interview that's come out with Monty uh, since and judging based on all of the interviews we had seen with him previously we know that anytime there is uh, an embarrassing loss uh, for the Suns over the past few years and there haven't been all too many of them Monty is a coach who assumes responsibility he is a professional to the max even in instances where it clearly isn't his fault he covers for players uh he's an incredibly humble character and just like not there aren't that many head coaches in the nba who take the high road as frequently as monty williams and i think that's something that players really respect and and they see through that and they can appreciate that and they work with that so yeah i mean it's you we could talk about his flaws there are things he Mm -hmm. has to work on in order to get these negative memories like the game seven loss off of his track record but no doubt the continuity here it's it's a good thing it's yeah i I don't think you can do anything except applaud this move uh, as it currently stands uh he even is involved with team usa which look i'm not gonna try to pretend like that doesn't help with recruiting. <laughs> I think it probably does. If he develops a relationship with... And one of the things that Team USA talked about in their uh, run to the gold medal previously was how prepared Monty Williams was and how much he wanted them to be prepared. And I'll tell you this, not all players will probably like that. There's probably some players that think we could just go out there and win this game regardless. But some of them do. And the ones that do, those are probably the ones you want on the Suns anyway. Uh, so making those relationships... I think uh, does matter as well. And you By know, the as way, far as Game Seven too, I just want to mention mm-hmm. James Jones still built this team to beat the Bucks. Like that was part of what happened. And then there could not have been a really a different matchup than the Mavericks. And look, the Suns yeah. still should have won with the personnel that they had. I'm not going to really say that. They really should. But when won, you talk man. about it being, yeah, when you talk about it being an organizational failure. The the lack of the versatility on the roster, especially when it comes to backup uh, bigs, I think was part of it there. You know, just just making the move for Tory Craig matters too. But yes, you had something to say. No, it's uh, no, no, no. Continue, continue. Well, one thing I want to mention is just a timeline of events. Game seven happened, and at some point in Game Seven, there was a a public disagreement. I would call it. Between DeAndre and then Monty Williams. And then we go into the offseason. Didn't sound like they fixed it at any point. There was no reporting on that. You know, stuff that we heard was that it, it wasn't fixed, at least early on in the offseason. DeAndre Ayton signs an offer sheet. The Suns match that offer sheet. Now DeAndre Ayton is signed long-term on the Suns. Next thing that happened after that, Monty Williams was extended. And I think that that, that of the sequence of events, I think, says something about the Suns and their commitment to Monty Williams. Because some have made the case, and I've seen it said before, if Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton have a disagreement, this is a player's league, why wouldn't the Suns just pick DeAndre Ayton over Monty Williams? And look, I actually understand that perspective. When you're when you have a star player, I think LeBron James has had coaches fired at multiple teams he's been to. Right? You choose LeBron James in that case. Uh, you don't choose the coach over those players. But I think the Suns made a point of extending Monty Williams at this point to say, "Hey, we're going to work this out." Now, whether that be with DeAndre Ayton or without DeAndre Ayton, I think at at this point the financial security that Monty Williams has 
look, he, he said it in the interview about DeAndre and money matters in this case. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he understands that the Suns are still committed to him in this case probably incentivizes both of those guys, DeAndre and, and Monty Williams, to work together to fix this. Or if they if they don't, they are committed to both of them and they'll have to figure out how to do it and both of them will get their money in that case. Yeah, I, I sort of continue to think that this fractured relationship that kind of a lot of people have focused on between Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton is overblown. It's one moment in time, I think. And and even like, did you see the, the Mark Spears article mm-hmm. recently where with the Monty quote where he's talking about, um, I've got the quote right here, if I can find it. He says, unfortunately, in sports, I thought this was interesting too, in sports and even in society, uh, we focus on the one bad thing. It hurt like crazy. He's talking about all of game seven, but you can mm-hmm. kind of zoom in zoom in on that specific moment with the argument as well um and he says it hurt like crazy and it still hurts it was embarrassing to play that way but as the dust settles and i look at the season from a holistic perspective um i look at all the good stuff that happened with time these guys are going to be all right and with the the additional money incentive that you're talking about i just i see no reason to to overly focus on that one argument from a couple of guys who what we know about their personalities that's like i was just saying about monty being a guy who takes the high road being a guy who assumes responsibility when he doesn't necessarily have to and ayton for whatever criticisms you can give about deandre ayton from earlier early in his career maybe not always putting in the exactly the amount of effort that you would want to see purely on the basketball court there have never been any doubts, uh, for me at least, uh, about DeAndre Ayton off the basketball court and like, you know, his ability to mesh with others character wise. Like the the prospect of DeAndre Ayton becoming a locker room cancer, I guess is what I'm saying here. Yeah. It's like has always been this completely ridiculous, far fetched idea, especially after he got the exactly. bag that he wanted. If it happened, it would have happened last season, I think. Absolutely. Like, right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's, but I also think that's why it's important for the Suns to make those commitments now. They don't want anything else just being a distraction. At some point, just make those commitments and make both of those parties understand that the Suns are committed to both of them. And now there's no distractions beyond that. There's no fear of being the one left, you know, hanging out to dry or whatever you want to call it. At this point, there's a clear understanding. DeAndre Ayton signed long term. Monty Williams is signed long term. Devin Booker signed long term. That's basically the core, you know, and then you can Cam throw Johnson. In, you might be next, <laughs> you, you can, might not. We'll uh, yeah. we'll test that in September, but I, I I have thoughts on that too. Uh let's talk about the other thing that we learned this week, and that was that the Celtics are interested in trading for Kevin Durant. Now, I think you might say, well, yeah, it's Kevin Durant. Uh but I I think the way it was reported, I think showed significant interest. It, it first came from Shamsharania, uh the Well, it first rep- came first came from Woj. Did it first come from Woj? I guess it I first, first saw it from It Charles. first came from Woj at 3 in the morning Eastern time because he, uh, they knew, were racing. He, was, he knew he was about to get <laughs> scooped by Shams. But his yeah. report was a complete nothing burger that just said the Celtics are in the race. It did not say anything about what the specific scope of, of the package was. So somebody texted Woj and said the Athletics posting something in the morning and Woj sent that tweet out first someone I someone guess. texted Woj that's and what said, happened isn't it <laughs> someone texted Woj and said Shams is preparing his slop for the masses <laughs> beat him out by yeah. posting even shittier slop and that yeah. is exactly what we got yeah but but continue with the timeline because then Shams very important update happened immediately after that yeah and Shams had details he which is not often in this and I think I think it's pretty clear 
based on my read of it, at least, that the Nets are the ones that leaked this and, and some mm-hmm. confirmation by Zach Lowe on his podcast this morning. I think uh, you're right. Last night. Uh, yep. But it was that the Celtics offered, quote-unquote, Jalen Brown and Derek White, along with a draft pick or something like that, for Kevin Durant, and the Nets countered with Smart, and then sort of the talks fell apart there. Well, I don't know that they fell apart to the extent that it's not still possible. Um, but I think at this point, <laughs> for a Suns fans, you're holding on to the hope that Kevin Durant is telling the Celtics, hell no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, uh, because that's the best case. Because if you're the Nets, from the Nets' perspective alone, Jalen Brown is the best player that's been brought up in trade talks for Kevin Durant so far, and I think that's clear, uh, at least from my perspective. If you want to make the case that Mikael Bridges and or Cameron Johnson are better or the players combined are a better offer than Brown and White, I don't think I agree with you. I, I <laughs> guess I would just start from there. Just Jalen Brown's yeah. a better player than both of those guys, and, and I think yeah. for the Nets, being that they don't own any of their own draft picks really, their best case scenario is getting good players back because if they're bad, they're not benefiting from being bad. Uh, so they want good players to, to, to get back in that trade. So now what are your thoughts on when you saw that come down? Well, you're missing the one. You're, the slop. And and very crucial just to emphasize, slop, garbage. Here we are. <laughs> we're, we're encouraging the behavior by talking about the garbage because you're missing one very crucial piece of info that came out after the Shams report. So the Shams report, when it was actually specified what the idea was, and now we thought, this was scary for about six to eight hours. We all, <laughs> it's still scary, and I'll explain why I think that, but go ahead. Well, okay, you can, you can feel that way, but I think on a more mass scale, it was even scarier for six to eight hours because we thought, oh, Jalen Brown. If you're a, a, a reasonable Suns fan and you understand the player that Jalen Brown is compared to the player that Mikael Bridges or Cam Johnson is, as you were just saying, Mike, you understand why that proposition is scary because here for the first time is a team that if they're willing to put that on the table, unlike Toronto not willing to uh, to give up Scotty Barnes, unlike the Utah Jazz not willing to give up Donovan Mitchell, well, there's the star player that the Nets could be seeking. But about six to eight hours after that report from Shams, Brian Winhorst who's having himself a hell of a summer. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fellow ESPN employee Brian Windhorst to other ESPN employee Adrian Wojnarowski. So he definitely did not have to do this because this was in many ways exposing the slop, but came out and said, these discussions are weeks old. Mm -hmm. This is not fresh news. And that's when you got confirmation that, yes, the Nets are leaking weeks old. I mean, if you choose to believe Brian Windhorst, which in this case, I'll just say I do. And so who knows? Maybe I could be wrong on that, but... Putting my faith in Windhorst here. <laughs> Basically confirmation that the Nets leaked this report in order to stir up renewed interest because they can't get anyone to bite on their current asking price for Kevin Durant. So they need to take the best player who was offered, as we understand from Windhorst, and, and also, by the way, confirmed reconfirmed this morning by Jake Fisher. I saw a report mm-hmm. from him as well saying the same thing, that these conversations are weeks old. The Nets taking their best offer that is weeks old and trying to restart negotiations because it's July 26th and they're starting to get antsy and they're starting to get <laughs> nervous about what happens if Kevin Durant, it's it's d- September 30th or whenever the first day of training camp is and Kevin Durant is threatening not to show up to training camp. It's, what do they It's do? actually really funny too because somewhat eerily, Zach Lowe said something happened on July 16th. <laughs> he even said the date. <laughs> what do you... <laughs> He said something happened on July 16th hmm. that caused these talks to sour and now led 
to uh, the Nets leaking it. So if you <laughs> if you're a, a fan listening to this, Suns fan or not, I know we have some fans of other teams listening. Feel free to go through a timeline timeline of events. Oh, now we're going to get people pointing out that we said the word timeline on the podcast. Uh, but feel free to go through a timeline of events to find out everything that happened on July 16th and see if you could draw any connections to something like that happening. Because I think it's clear that something happened. And I think from the Nets, here's what I'll say. From the Nets' perspective, if they try to drive a wedge between Jalen Brown and the Celtics by leaking this, I think that makes the Celtics more likely to trade Jalen Brown. Because Jalen Brown maybe is a little unhappy with being well, in trade talks for the third time. Maybe. Did you say it has maybe? Been Ka- Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, he tweeted He, he about tweeted it. like yeah. five minutes after the report exactly. came out. Right. Not five and, minutes. He tweeted 45 minutes after the report came out. Jalen Brown has been in trade rumors for Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and Kevin Durant. And to his credit, that's a pretty impressive list of players to be in trade rumors for. But it's the third time for him. It's not the first time. It's the third time. And look, all of us know about all three of those times. So, look, if you're not worried about this because you're saying, if you're saying, yes, Kevin Durant doesn't want to play for the Celtics, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair thing to, to say because, you know, he could have his agent out there saying all the right things and telling the Celtics to not do it. But if the Celtics are now facing the idea of Jalen Brown, who has two years left on his contract, will be eligible for extension uh, soon, they're facing the prospect of an upset Jalen Brown or a Kevin Durant who signed for four years on their team who maybe doesn't want to play there but will now look at the roster as a potential title roster. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Because the Celtics, they're facing down two options that maybe aren't great, but one of them, to me, is a much better team with Kevin Durant on it and has a better chance of winning a title. And yeah, and if you're the Nets... The don't. best player that we've heard so far is Jalen Brown. So why would they not do that? And maybe they don't include Marcus Smart in that case because now they're like, look, you already you kind of fucked us by <laughs> releasing this rumor. Uh, how about we just give you an extra draft pick and call it a trade at that point? So I don't know. It's it's just not something that... And I do think that the Celtics are like trying to fix this at this point, right? There are reporters out there saying, you know, the Celtics feel great about their roster. You know, they just made the NBA Finals. They're saying all the things that you want to say if the, if you're if you're a mouthpiece for the Celtics that are trying to potentially uh, fix this. But as much as I want to be confident that Kevin Durant will be on the Suns, I have to face facts at some point, and this definitely shook my confidence quite a bit. That's how I view it. Even post Winhorst report. Yeah, because that's that, that's interesting to me. Well, I mean, I understand it's shaking I your confidence. Nets. It's just you seem more rattled than you usually are. Which here's <laughs> how I view the Nets. By. The perspective of the Nets has always been: we don't have to trade him right now, mm-hmm. and if we wait and the trade offers stay the same, it has no impact on us. If we wait and that causes a team to bend a little bit and offer a little bit more, that benefits us. Right. So, Until, you know, I, I don't think it, something being three weeks old matters at all because the Nets, no matter what, are trying to wait this out as long as possible. Probably right. not into the season. I still think he's Testing, probably going to be traded. And and every day that they continue to do that, they test the patience of Durant himself. Right. I understand if Kevin Durant doesn't want to directly be the bad guy. I, I, I've never gotten the vibe from him that he wants to be as much as he sort of indirectly has made himself to be this, right? That he wants to be the villain of the NBA. If anything, he wants to be the opposite. He wants to be adored. So 
Is it in Kevin Durant's personality necessarily to come out on, again, whatever day it is, September 15th, September 30th, and be like, actually, I'm not I'm not coming to training camp. I want to go to Phoenix and only Phoenix. Right. This is the only place I will play. That's obviously could, he that's could, what like, Suns fans want him to do. Pretty he clearly, has a that would end account. things pretty fast. He has a TikTok account now. He could just do a TikTok wearing like a Suns hat or something like that. That would be you know hilarious. because like we're talking about like what are the examples of players doing something to force the teams to trade him? We have Eric Bledsoe. We all know that example the best. He said, "I don't want to be here." He tweeted it out. Capital D, don't want to be here. And uh, that forced the Suns' hands. He was pretty quickly benched and traded as quickly as they could do it. And, you know, even they waited, I think, a few weeks after that tweet to get the pos- best possible trade return for him. Still got a pretty good trade return. Can't even Anthony remember Davis. what we got anymore. Probably makes me a bad Suns fan. <laughs> uh, Anthony Davis was traded from the New Orleans Pelicans. He wanted to go to the Los Angeles Lakers. He did a lot. I mean, he has Rich Paul. Both of these guys have Rich Paul as an agent. Anthony Davis, he wore a That's All Folks t-shirt, right? <laughs> he wore it to, and <laughs> that was on purpose, that. right? It was definitely yeah. on purpose to, to send a message to the New Orleans Pelicans, to a New Orleans Pelicans game. The Celtics were in those trade rumors as well. The Celtics and the Lakers at some point were basically the only two teams in those trade rumors. The next thing we hear is an interview with Anthony Davis's uh, parents, I think it was his dad, uh, who went on the record saying, my son will never play for the Boston Celtics after what they did to Isaiah Thomas. That's pretty good, right? All of a sudden, the Celtics kind of fade out of the trade talks. Los Angeles Lakers are the only team left. Lakers still give up essentially everything to get it done, and they got it done pretty quickly at that point. And it works but pretty well for it them. it took a little bit more to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they won a title. It's a yeah, they point. won a title. They got what they wanted, right? Yeah. Happy, happy ending for everyone. It'd be it'd be the most titles the Suns have ever won, <laughs> you know. That's what I'm trying to. That's that. what I'm trying yeah. to tell people who are like, would you rather have eight years of McKay? All due respect to Mikael Bridges, one of my favorite players like ever to watch personally. But would you rather have eight years of Mikael Bridges or two or an years NBA or championship, one right. or an NBA championship with Kevin <laughs> yeah. Durant? I mean, like that's the crux of the whole it's, thing that it's I'm trying easy. to yeah. say over and over again. Can I just say, by the way, I know this isn't directly related to Phoenix, but to go back kind of to the direct discussions between Boston and and, and Brooklyn here. I guess it is kind of loosely related to Phoenix. Isn't it painful? Isn't it just so painful to watch the extent to which Celtics fans absolutely despise the idea of getting rid of their continuity (laughs) in the offseason after they lost the finals? Like, you have Celtics fans completely losing their minds online Mm. about the prospect Mm. of giving... And and granted, Jalen Brown had a great postseason. I think he averaged like 25, 7, and, and 4 or something. He looked like a legitimate number two option. He still kind of ran into Jalen Brown creation problems at times, and, and that's kind of the whole point, right? But, you know, he had overall a great postseason, but the idea that you would be just so emotionally attached that you can't possibly get rid of Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and get rid of your precious continuity after you just narrowly made the finals and then lost the finals narrowly uh, made the finals after playing the best possible team that could beat them with an injured second best player with an injured second best player with Sound an familiar? injured chris middleton which i think is is something that celtics fans would want to shoot you if you said but it's right. still very much a valid ah. point it's still very much a valid point and it was and by the way and by the way was a valid point about the suns too mm-hmm. when as much as suns fans hated hearing it 
the idea that the Suns got to blow through an injured Clippers team in the Western Conference Finals, or you know, mm-hmm. I mean, or the, the Lakers nu- without Anthony Davis, yeah, yeah, or I mean, you know, if you really want to go that far, uh, Jamal Murray didn't play or whatever. Yeah. I, they would have won yeah. that one anyway. I think second I really best player that, though, but, right? Second yeah, best player, <laughs> second best player. And I think I we think can put it to the to, test. He'll point, finally be back. Uh, regardless of how you feel about how good the Suns were when they made the NBA Finals or the Celtics were when they made the NBA Finals. Not all Finals runs are the same. Sometimes you play teams that are in various states of injury and that causes the run to be viewed a little bit differently. And you can just say a team is a Finals team and they shouldn't make any changes to get better. And then maybe you get blown out in Game 7 in the second round. I'm just saying, if it happens... It's something that does happen. If Boston sits tight and they get blown out in the second and I hope round they do yeah i'm gonna cackle i'm gonna and if you know what if they go out next year and tatum and brown are just on a fucking mission and ascend into i mean tatum is already borderline top 10 player in the nba right he's great but if brown is like also a top 10 player suddenly if you finally get the internal development that they want to see i don't know exactly <laughs> what they're looking for in their roster yeah. and they win a championship all credit to them they were right i was wrong if the more likely thing happens which is that they lose even right. that they potentially regress a little bit. You never mm-hmm. know. I mean, Milwaukee's still going to be at full strength. There are other great right. teams in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> and um, Jalen Brown is on the verge of being an unrestricted free agent. There's you know? no <laughs> proper response to that other than to cackle. I think particularly from the Suns fan perspective because right. yeah. we have the direct proof. You need well, to continue to Well, I'm on the record saying that the, that, the, that the idea of internal development and continuity was my least favorite idea after the finals run. It was one uh, of our it, best podcast segments uh or my personal favorites in history roster construction wise was not great it was not great at all. <laughs> yeah it's not something i was overly excited about doing until we knew it was what we were doing uh because yeah i'm on the record that saying i think the suns should don't have a problem with the bench they have a third best player problem and uh yeah and i think for the celtics i think it's similar i think upgrading your top end talent is the best way to win in the nba playoffs and regular season notwithstanding playoffs are a little bit different uh let's take a break and let's talk about potential contingency plans i hate to have to do this but at some point if he gets traded the nets are in control if this i think illustrated anything to everyone it's that the nets are in control at some point kevin durant can say as much as he wants but if the nets get the best offer from someone they're going to trade him there and i think that's the right thing to do if you're the nets Uh, so we're going to talk about some contingency plans after the break we'll be right back We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so, Kevin Durant. I'd say we still feel okay about it, right? I wouldn't say that the Suns are completely out of it. Regardless, by no, the way, we didn't even no, mention no, this no, part. No. Shams Rainey has said the Suns are all but out of it yeah, after signing I, we, we DeAndre. We didn't mention that. But you know what? That was really stupid. Especially when the entire offseason they've been talking about how DeAndre Ayton doesn't move the Nets to begin with in an offer. They're not mm-hmm. interested in him. We've been mm-hmm. talking about, and not just us, Everyone in the Sun sphere has connected the dots in like the previous six or eight weeks that the Suns could still construct a deal out of the rest of their pieces and use a third team if they have to, but that it was still possible. So no, by no means does this kill uh, all hopes of a uh, of a KD deal to Phoenix, especially on the basis of like DeAndre Ayton signing. That is not true at all. But and yet my confidence was still sh- uh, shaken a little bit. So that's okay. I that's came okay. into this podcast with the idea, at the very least, with bringing up some contingency plans for the Suns if Kevin Durant is for some reason off the table, whether he's traded somewhere else or the Nets just tell the Suns, yeah, we're not going to do it. Um, And I want to talk about those. Now, I think that as we mentioned these names, they are players who are in various levels of available. Some of them could be traded still this offseason. One of them definitely will be traded this offseason, I think. Some of them, I think, will be available at some point during the season. That means that maybe you would make a trade uh, for one of these players during the regular season. And maybe some of them won't be traded at all, but at some point in the near future will be available. So as we talk about of these names, we're not saying the Suns can trade for them next week, <laughs> I guess sure. is a way to put this. But of course, there's always then a correlation, not a perfect one-to-one correlation, but a correlation nonetheless between those who are available um, or between how available you are and how good you are. I guess there's a reverse and inverse correlation right. between those two things. The the yeah. players who tend to be most available, not in every case, actually there's one really good exception to this rule, I think, this offseason, but generally speaking, the more, the more available you are, the less actually clear we are about your ability to be the answer to what this, <laughs> yeah. the problems that we're trying to fix here. That's very so that's, true. That's yeah. generally going to be true for the players we talk about here. I yes. Think. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just logical. And if you like, of course, if we're ranking plans, Kevin Durant would be at the top by like a mile. So just keep in mind that in comparison, comparing these options to Durant, they're not actually, be I have excited. Jalen Brown, uh, number one on my <laughs> list for the record. Are you a Celtics fan now? Uh, because that's where they, that's where they rank him too. I think though, Looking at where the Suns are at in regards to a Kevin Durant trade was a reminder that they have 
a bunch of good contracts and still have all of their picks in the future. And that means that they still have enticing trade packages for teams in the future, depending on who the players are. And I think that, at the very least, is a good reminder that even if this Durant thing does fall apart for some reason, they still have some options in the future. So I'm going to, how about I name all of these names that I have, or all of these options, because some of them aren't names, and then we'll just <laughs> go through each one individually. How's that sound? Go for it. Are we okay. doing one at a time or are you spilling it all out now? I'll spill I'll just read them all first okay. and then we'll go one at a time and talk How through all of them. How do you want to do it? Okay. John Collins. That's potentially a player that's available. I've I've Her- heard that name before. Can mm-hmm. confirm. And he could be traded this offseason still, I think. I think that's a possibility. Harrison Barnes. And we'll talk about his availability. Julius Randle, your favorite player in the NBA. I that's pushing it a little bit. <laughs> pushing it a little bit. But we'll talk about it. Donovan Mitchell, who is the player that I think will still be traded this offseason. And we'll talk about how the Suns could potentially make a move there. And that's probably one of the less likely ones. And I have an option just titled running it back. And what this option means is if, say, Durant's just not traded and the season starts. And then maybe you just go into the season with the team that you have and just see what you could do at the end of the season. Um, This is the hashtag continuity, hashtag internal development option. And we'll talk about how we feel about that option in a second but even if Durant's traded like if he just goes to the Celtics for example maybe running it back is still an option for the Suns which by the way Gambo on the radio essentially said that's their plan <laughs> if Durant, if Durant's not able to be traded right now that's their plan right now they don't have other contingency plans and then here's a name that I wanted to bring up did My you just get again. did you just leave your seat like <laughs> what are you doing to build tension here that was such a long pause <laughs> my phone started ringing Who's and when it name? rings it rings in my ear sga ah from the oklahoma city thunder who i think does not fit the long-term future of the oklahoma city thunder now SGA, because who does i think there's a chance that gilgis alexander is not traded like even he's not gonna be traded this offseason that i can promise you let's let's save this one for a little bit okay or do you you want to start here i mean this is like that's my favorite one it's my favorite one too so let's just start there (laughs) all right that's (laughs) we'll start with we'll start with the hopium the uh the, the most hopium case here's the thing about sga is i don't think he'll be traded i don't think he'll be traded this offseason like i said i think there's a small chance he's traded during the season I think there's a high chance he does not play beyond this season for the Thunder because they're just so young and he's about to reach his prime and it just does not make sense for him to want to be there long term. And we've seen the Thunder have, uh, they've been open to trading guys who maybe aren't part of their long term plans uh, with when it comes to just players like Chris Paul, for example, or Paul George or Russell Westbrook. They, They have a willingness to trade these guys and look, they have options. Like they're not going to be fully out of star potential guys if SGA is gone. You know they have uh, Josh Giddy, they have Chet. You know they have the ability of saying, and they have like forty thousand other draft picks that they can use to make moves for guys in the future. But if SGA is not part of that, if he's a guy that they're looking at and saying he's a little too old, maybe he doesn't want to be entering his prime and sharing the ball with Josh Giddy, who's going to have five turnovers a game or whatever. Uh, going forward or or Chet who is not really going to be NBA ready as far as his body for another three years 
maybe it's not something he wants to wait for. And I, I think that's how I view his future for the for the Thunder. I think there's a chance he's traded within a year. Maybe it's next offseason, but maybe if he becomes available at some point during the season, the Suns put, push all their chips into the table to see if there's any way to get him. And that's how I view him. What do you think? I'm one million percent there. I think he is the biggest candidate right now after Donovan Mitchell because everyone recognizes right now that Donovan Mitchell is on the trade block. But after Donovan Mitchell, who is the next disgruntled, so to speak, and and he hasn't publicly said anything, but um, could easily become disgruntled, younger type of star in the NBA who could be moved. Um, It's it's SGA. It's just like... And you like him more than Mitchell. You like Shea more than Mitchell? Um... I do. Oh, how how are you asking that? You mean for the Suns, or you mean yeah. as a basketball player? Yeah, I I think uh, he averaged the most drives in the NBA per game last season, right? That was I, and the, he's I, th- I think he's stat. a better defender, probably a worse offensive player, yeah. and just somebody that I think is just more interesting next to Devin Booker. Than I mean, Mitchell. he is he is probably a worse offensive player, especially when it comes to the shooting. But like on the other hand, he's Mister Rim Pressure. Uh, again, like we've talked for so long about how the Suns need rim pressure. SGA is rim pressure. It's what he does. Yeah. Um, he's one of the best in the league at it. And a, like, give him a real basketball team is, <laughs> I guess, my main point yeah. here because it's so frustrating, dude. If you and and if I'm frustrated, I can't imagine how he feels. By the end of this season, he will be a couple days short of turning 25. And this is another season where the Thunder have made it pretty clear that they're not they're not interested. I mean, if by some miracle, like. Chet looks amazing in his rookie year, which is possible. And mm-hmm. Giddy looks amazing in his sophomore year, which is, you know, it's also possible that they luck into a 41-41 season or something. Um, but it also very well could be the case that they continue to have 12 guys who are under the age of 23 and they win 25 games again. Um, and they're right in the the race for Wemby, the, you right. know, just and like all those other and teams sitting- that want to tank for Wemby. And they're sitting Shea at the end of the year to try and, and they're sitting, games again. Right. And they're sitting Shea at the end of the year when he's a, a few days shy of turning 25. That's going to piss him off at that yeah. point. That's mm-hmm. going to piss him off. Just like I remember saying the season when the Suns acquired Rubio and uh, and they had just gotten Kelly Oubre uh, half a season before that. But as they were heading into the Ricky Rubio season, I was like, look, this is it for Devin Booker. We know Devin Booker is great. This Ricky Rubio thing better work because if the Suns win 25 games this year, he's asking out. I'm sure of it. Like, he never said the wrong thing. He was always willing to play along with the media. He always, he said he wanted to be in Phoenix forever, whatever. He signed the contract extension, which, by the mm-hmm. way, SGA has done as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, a max rookie extension, but regardless, a very flexible deal that's easily tradable for them. But... Thank God the Rubio thing worked and the the Suns actually got the momentum and then they turned that into Chris Paul and, and bang, we were in business. Um, yeah, it could have I ended just, up much worse. Go ahead. Just just mention too, a team can only have two guys on those max rookie extensions. Um, and kind of interestingly, the Suns did not sign DeAndre Ayton to one and they did, did sign Devin Booker to one. So they still have the ability of adding a guy to that core. Now, if you're trading for SGA, say Shea becomes available during the season or secretly becomes available during the season obviously the Suns and the thunder have a relationship of trading with each other in the past it's not i think a closed door for them i think there are players the Suns have that are kind of fascinating on that thunder team if you really think about that whether that be mikhail bridges or even deandre ayton you know deandre ayton white well, yeah it, this for ayton to be involved in the trade we're talking about it being a year from now a year from now or if he just agrees to be traded or if he agrees to be traded to the thunder which i view as unlikely but you never know 
Yeah, I think it, I think it would be unlikely as well. But I mean, I'd, it'd be kind of a fascinating team long term. Uh, he is younger, so it's just it's just if you think about it, I maybe there will be other teams that would just completely blow away the Suns' offer. Maybe there would be, and maybe they're not. Maybe they're not interested in draft picks anymore, so they would need a star player. Uh, but I just want to put that name out there because it's probably a name I'm going to mention in the future. I think it's kind of a, a like one of the most fascinating ideas of Devin Booker. And Shea just being the two guards initiating the office for, offense for this team long term, regardless of Chris Paul or not. Because if Chris Paul is on the team, you got to find some three guard lineups at work, which the, the Thunder I mean, did. If Chris Paul is on the they team, could. by the way, if Chris Paul is on the team, people are going to say, "Well, who starts?" Just start the three of them and figure it out. It's, yeah, it's not hundred percent. You've yes. got guys that talented. You'll figure it out. And Chris Paul, let's be honest. Like, if this trade takes place hypothetically a full year from now. Chris Paul's not going to have that much time left. You're, you're talking no. about a small overlap period. Yeah, and maybe he's just kind of the guy running the bench offense at some point in the future, mm-hmm. if that's the case. If he's he's, he's your Andre team. Miller at, at, at some point. <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> you do this because you do it. You do it, and Chris Paul and SGA are, are still very close friends, by the way, so uh, I don't think that you would try to trade Chris Paul in this case. I think you want Chris Paul to be there as well still just to, to make him feel good on this team and have a friend here. And I think they, they'll figure it out. They'll be a great team. Maybe they don't win a you championship know, in year one, you know, <laughs> with those three guys, like the way you would be hoping for with Kevin Durant. But long term, that's one of the best players you can get that could potentially be available in the next year. There was a minor move the other day. I don't know if you noticed, but the Thunder acquired briefly Michael Green from the Nuggets and then they waved yeah. him. Yeah. Minor move, I know. But like, that's the sort of stuff I'm talking about. You can't be in year five for this guy. And you have the ability to just so you're you're nowhere near you know you're not in danger of paying the luxury tax or anything like you you have no right to take a valuable role player who you at least know could come off the bench and provide something for you. Jermichael Green, he's not gonna be the difference between you winning you know forty and and fifty games, but he's an actual tangible player who belongs on an NBA basketball court. And then you just wave him. I just I I have to wonder what. SGA is thinking behind the scenes when he sees stuff like that because it's like you're just throwing talent away you're throwing opportunities away to compete and yeah it's the way frustrating with them the way that and then it's nice that Chris Paul can get in his ear a little bit by the way (laughs) just just throwing that out there that is a possibility but the way I felt about Donovan Mitchell last year before this whole year happened the way I thought there was a chance that Mitchell was off that team long term and that this would be the disaster year for the Jazz this last season and it kind of ended up playing out that way. That's how I feel about SGA, except that they're not going to be as good. And I think that has some impact on that as well. And I think if he's unhappy, the Thunder would, I think it's better for the Thunder to sort of acquiesce if he's unhappy than to just force him to be there as they figure it out. Or unless they make trades, you know, they could also trade some of those other young guys to try and get a star. I just don't think that's their MO right now. I think they want to play this out and see what these guys can become long term. So yeah, he's out there. Uh, you know, maybe he's not available soon. Maybe it takes all the way till next off season. Maybe he's available next off season, or maybe like you said, they figure it out in a way that makes him want to stay. But I think you, you monitor that situation. If, if Durant's not on this team, or even if he is, if you can find a way to get him, <laughs> now, you're getting greedy now. Let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, you got to at least monitor it. Uh, let's say, okay, so we're ranking him at the top, right? And in, in maybe the least likely, but at the top, we'll say at the top um, of non Durant options for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say who is next? Mitchell is the next best player, right? Mitchell's the next best player. I mean, you know, but Mitchell's it just feels incredibly unlikely, right? Player as of now. 
Um, yeah, and and I think the other thing is Mitchell comes with the baggage. I mean, SGA probably would come with this baggage too, frankly, but Mitchell especially, we know for a fact, comes with the baggage of giving up minimum four or five first-round picks in addition to whatever players the Jazz are interested in. Which, which they're not, right? Which which they're not what? <laughs> interested in any players at this point. They don't want they good just players. Want the, you're which, saying they just want the picks? It's possible. They just want contracts, right? They want to be as bad as possible, which I think makes... The idea of giving up a bunch of picks for him more intriguing to some extent. Yeah, I think the tough thing about because I've been thinking about this mostly in terms of the Knicks, right? And like what's I've been on record saying the Knicks should continue to try and get good players and trying to envision what a Knicks team built around R.J. Barrett and Donovan Mitchell for the future looks like. But you can easily apply this logic to the Suns, too. The issue with giving up, like, say, six first round picks for Donovan Mitchell compared to doing the same thing for Kevin Durant the problem that the Suns are trying to approach right now is that problem of, and I recognize the Suns were already an amazing clutch team last year, all regular season. <laughs> and even at some points in the playoffs, it just, you know, when it really mattered in game seven, but but whatever, we don't have to go down that road. But the problem... None of those Suns, games went to the clutch, unfortunately. Yeah, Every I game know, was a blowout on both sides. Yeah. When you actually do have clutch games in the playoffs, when it really matters, you need a bucket. There's this problem that the Suns have and that most teams in the NBA have. This is why the contenders are the contenders, where you just need to get the ball into the hands of the best player. And there's a huge gaping difference between having a true top five or top 10 talent in the NBA with the ball in his hands at the end of a game in clutch time, the final five minutes, the final fourth quarter, however you want to define it, that just can't be solved. It just that 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 lack of having that player just can't be made up for by replacing that production with three top 15, top 20, top 25 NBA players instead, right? Donovan Mitchell, as good as he is, the average possession, and and actually to level with you guys, Donovan Mitchell, if you look at the clutch stats, just in the past, not good. But, really but Donovan bad. Mitchell, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell at his absolute best, and, and thinking about what he could do in the Sun scheme, there's always going to be this issue of balancing how do we get Mitchell enough touches? How do we get Booker enough touches? You're saying that it's all enough touches. It's and like none the superstar version of Isaiah Thomas, Goran Dragic, and Eric Bledsoe, basically. It is. Yes. I mean, look, it would be a terrific team. It would be an amazing team. I'm just talking about, is it worth, is this worth leveraging your whole future? I understand why Kevin Durant is worth leveraging your entire future for, because Kevin Durant, even if it's only for one or two more years, is that motherfucking dude. Yeah, he is. I don't care if they got swept in the playoffs. You build. Uh, you still need to build a, a reasonable team around him because basketball is a team sport. But game seven, five minutes left. I sound like fucking Max Kellerman or something right now, so I apologize <laughs> for that. But, but you you can't question. Give me Igudala. Give me Igudala. You can't question <laughs> Kevin Durant's production no. in those situations. You yeah. can question Donovan Mitchell's production. Not to I'm, I'm not talking. Yeah. yeah, I'm not talking from a. He's got the basketball gene. He doesn't have the basketball. That, like That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about having a top five player outweighs having three top 25 players. And if you're mortgaging your future, yeah. No I, amount right. of picks that you throw at that is necessarily going to solve that problem. You're, you're not going to get it over the wall that way. I think you're right. I, I think I agree with basically all of that, although I would still I would probably still do it if it were me. But I'm always the guy that just kind of 
defaults to that. I do think that the idea of putting together a package maybe midseason, maybe the Knicks don't do it, maybe they don't pull the trigger on all of that, uh, could be kind of interesting for the Suns if he's end up if he ends up playing the beginning of the season for the uh, for the Jazz. Maybe he's traded during the All Star uh, game in Utah. <laughs> Next guys we got on this list, John Collins, Harrison Barnes, Julius Randle. It's funny to rank these three guys at this point because if we're if like if if we're just talking these about These guys are available with yes. a capital A. And no these guys doubt. could be traded. Well, Randle, I think this I think the Knicks are going to try it with Randle first. They're going to try to figure it out first. I think depending on what happens with Mitchell. He's very available <laughs> as far it's, as I'm concerned. It's funny because if we're saying if we're building for the regular season, it's Harrison Barnes is the best option, right? I mean, I He's, think you I think you could make a good argument that says if it's for the playoffs, it's Harrison, Harrison Barnes. Barnes. Well, because isn't Harrison Barnes, the best at creating his shot though? Uh, yes, he absolutely is. And and so it kind of depends on how you define the the issues in the right. playoffs because there are multiple. Let's be honest. Like the Suns were a great team last year. They still have multiple holes. Mm-hmm. Um with Barnes, he's played small ball 5 in the past. It's something that he has literally done. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. He could do it better than Jay Crowder could, I think. I don't think he's a good defensive player, but it's just he's done it. I think with and Barnes, he can yeah, dribble the ball. He's he's not like a great self creator. I mean, look, we he's not running pick and Barnes. rolls, right? No, you know, he's not. he's not isoing. But Randall can kind of do that. You know, that's that's what's kind of interesting about Randall. Randall's a worse defender, or worse shooter, which I yeah. think. You let's know, um, just, let's do it from a reverse perspective first. Let's okay. take guys away. So okay. for me, the first guy I'm knocking out is John Collins. And it's kind of because of what you were just talking about. It's not that I think John Collins is a bad player and he's certainly available. But you run into the same issue with John Collins and DeAndre Ayton that the Hawks ran into with John Collins and Clint Capella, which right. is that a front court built around two guys who don't really dribble is tough to orchestrate an offense around it. It, it essentially turns John Collins' only form of offense, uh, well, his best form of offense, pick and roll, Hard for him to share a ton of minutes with DeAndre Ayton on offense if both guys are thriving best when they can pair with Chris Paul or Devin Booker in the pick and roll. And so what it does, it takes away a lot of those most efficient opportunities for John Collins, forces him into a cutter, maybe in the dunker spot, or yeah. a, a pick and popper. Yeah. And to John Collins' credit... He's just a standstill shooter and if Ayton's the one setting the For screen. sure. To John Collins' credit, he's like a career 38% three-point shooter. He's a better three-point shooter, I think you could argue, than Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder himself isn't exactly like a movement three-point shooter, although he definitely shoots with more volume. Uh, but are you are you bringing in... Are you giving up additional assets plus Jay Crowder and picks or whatever to yeah. pay $25 million to John Collins who doesn't dribble the basketball? Who's a free agent at the end of the year? I don't yeah. really see it. I think, you know, the, the problem that the Suns are trying to solve here, you want to get better... You have to do that. If you're going to compile assets together in order to do that, it has to be a guy with some level of self-creation. It cannot I think be a I guy agree completely with you. dependent on, on having others create looks for him. I think I agree with you. And I think it just kind of, to me, boils down to if John Collins was just like a great defender along with all the other stuff he does, then then it's like a great fit. But he's not. He He's an okay defender. And if you're an okay defender and your offense doesn't fit kind of perfectly... Uh, it's, yeah, that's kind of the end of the conversation for me. I think that he does make the Suns' offense better, and he gives them options. And I think you would just be the entire time, you would just be hoping the Suns kind of develop him into a defensive player. And at this point of his career, that seems really unlikely, you know, especially, you know, beyond stretches. Like, I think there's a chance that he could show some growth defensively in stretches, but, like, you get down to the playoffs, 
I think you're relying on a little too much. So we'll eliminate him. We'll, we'll call him the last option here. That leaves Barnes and Randall. It sounded like you began to make the case of Harrison Barnes over Julius Randall here. And I think I could be sold on that. I want to come to a consensus here. The one thing I'll say is that Julius Randall, once again, if you're in the playoffs and you need a bucket, yes, Randall's not going to be the most overly efficient guy. But Randall are we, would be... Are we talking about... 18% field goal percentage in uh, in that first round series against the Hawks, Julius Randle. Yeah, but that's By like Julius Randle, best player on your team, Julius Randle. We're, mm-hmm. we're talking about Julius Randle, third best offensive player on the Suns as far as shot creation. And does, it doesn't that make it a different story, right? It You know, now you have a team trying to figure out how to d- defend Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre and, and Julius Randle. And like, doesn't that make him a little more interesting to you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, why do you think I brought him up in the first place? The big thing the big thing for me with Randall is I think it's a buy low opportunity more so than anything. Like, I mean, I you know, Harrison Barnes isn't going to command a great cost either, but just compared to some of these other stars that we're talking about, I'm not even sure you have to give up a first round pick for Julius Randall. Mm-hmm. You probably do. Like a protected first round pick, yeah, they you can know, use but like, it to trade for Mitchell, basically. Right? Like if you're, if you're, yeah, it's more so the fact that you know, give them Jay Crowder, Dario Saric, and a protected first round pick. That's that's a buy low opportunity for a guy who was an all NBA third team player uh, a year ago. You know, like it's the, 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 yeah, the, thing, the, the thing, potential value is crazy. The thing is, is we've compared this to the idea of Pascal Siakam, how Siakam's value was at a low after the 2021 season ended. And then of course he came back and had this amazing bounce back season. The thing is, I think Siakam, even at his low value was still really good. And it's just, the stats didn't really convey that. And I don't think that was the case for Randall. Like, he was bad this last season. And I think that it's just, you're right, in that the risk would still be kind of low. You're just essentially, you know, switching him out for, you know, Sharich. You know, maybe he's a guy who just, he comes in, he's better than uh, Jay Crowder. He's not a perfect fit, though. Like, Jay Crowder, where Jay Crowder struggles is, is being consistent. But, like, fit-wise, he does the things that you kind of need in the Suns starting lineup for it to work. And yeah, I guess with Randall, you have to make the case for him and to think of him as a fit on this team, you have to make the case that when Devin Booker's having an off night or his hamstrings hurt and Chris Paul's struggling, that Randall can come in and have a 30-point game when both of those guys are struggling in the playoffs Mm. and that could win you a game or two that you wouldn't have won without him. And I think that's the only way you can make the case for him that makes sense. And and specifically on a roster that, again, we've talked about this a few times, but... If Gambo is right and they're just doing nothing, forget the Kevin Durant problem for a second. They have yet to address the whole backup point guard issue. So on a team where if we think campaign is just cooked, if we don't think we can get anything out of Landry Shamit, if we don't think we can get anything out of Damian Lee, and that's the roster next year, well, Randall could cover your butt in, in some of those games. He could run the second unit as an elbow playmaker in a way that other guys on this team can't. And maybe make something happen. And, you know, yeah. maybe that's a route to kind of cover up for that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, like the, the Bucks won with Drew Holiday as their third best offensive player, basically. And you would sort of be saying that, you know, Julius Randle would kind of have to be that. And, of course, I think Drew Holiday is a better player than Julius Randle. But I think at times in Drew, Drew Holiday's career, people would just point at his raw stats and say, that's not that good. You know, he could be better. He should be better on offense. But all of a sudden, he's the third best offensive player on a title team and it all fits it all makes sense 
Just not sure Randall is that. So I guess Let me, um, where would we rank versus Barnes? Let's talk about Barnes and then we'll say which one is which. But yeah, go ahead. Are we assuming like relatively similar costs for these two guys? Like what's Barnes going to cost I think you? so. Also a first round pick, a, a late first round pick and a player, right? I think that Barnes kind of would have to say he doesn't want to play in, on the Kings anymore quietly yeah. you know yeah i feel <laughs> like have to that's, that's the other problem is i really feel like julius randall is available right now even if the, they're not saying it i feel like you go to the kings right now when they're tricking themselves into competing because the kings as always they're their own worst enemy they're gonna like ask for cam johnson <laughs> or something at right. which point you tell them to fuck off so you, you know are you the sure opportunity if it's cam johnson and a first round pick for harrison barnes yeah and and actually let okay. me like a protected first round pick let me Bring up why, because you know, that connects to the next point. We could talk about these guys and we can split hairs on them. And I think you could talk me into either one of them. There's a reason both of them have come up on the podcast before. But you also have Run It Back here. I'm ranking Run It Back ahead of both of these options. I'm ranking oh. Run It Back. No, I am. Does that surprise Is that you? include if Kevin Durant is traded to another team? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, so it he's does. no longer available. You would yes, still it say. It okay. especially applies if Kevin Durant is traded to another team. And let me explain that. So in this case, I'm ranking run it back ahead of the the potential to go out this summer and get John Collins, Julius Randle, Harrison Barnes, basically the best available names on the roster. And if you've listened to this podcast before, if you've followed my Twitter account, you should know I am not team hashtag continuity. I am not team hashtag internal development. Mm -hmm. Not at this point. I've had enough of the lies. I've been fooled <laughs> and I've seen the light and I'm ready to I'm ready to do something else. But I think your best route to do that is to go in with the flexibility essentially it's not so much run it back hashtag continuity it's run it back hashtag flexibility that's the way i'm selling it you go in with these movable roster pieces and i think again i think i said the same thing actually on the mailbag episode last week if the suns get to the playoffs to the the 2023 playoffs and they still have the same roster and they're running it back into the playoffs that's a failure if you go into the season and you kind of keep your cards by your side, you hug them a little bit tighter, and you wait for something better to materialize than Harrison Barnes at the deadline, that's that's a play. There's an option there. Mm -hmm. Trade for LeBron. There's an option there. Yeah. I'm not saying LeBron's going to open up. I'm not saying LeBron's <laughs> going to be available at all. But I am saying the flexibility <laughs> is valuable in the Suns' contracts. The problem is you can only talk people into flexibility for so long before they lose their minds. Okay. And uh, there is a certain point. I don't know exactly when that is, but th for some people, it, might, it may have already happened. There's well, a certain point where you can't talk people into flexibility anymore. You need, you need something to actually materialize with it. I think that you are saying run it back with the idea of still not running it back, which I'm I think saying, is, yeah, is, run it, is I think is a good option as well. What I'm doing, I, technically, all all of these guys, if they're not traded in the offseason, are included as a potential option in the run it back. All I'm doing <laughs> is filing an extension to report my <laughs> to taxes, taxes to the IRS. Okay. That's all okay. I'm doing. I'm I'm issuing James Jones the three month extension and say yeah, give it to me. Win a bunch of games. Give it to me. You can win a bunch of games with the with the idea of all these guys knowing each other and knowing the offense. And yeah, yes. I think that's I'm saying I if Harrison rank, Barnes, if you can get Harrison Barnes with just giving up, like I don't know, Sharich and and Crowder. That's the guys we keep saying expiring deals and a pick. I would probably rank Harrison Barnes over running it back just because it's a drastic improvement on. Jay Crowder in the starting lineup, in my opinion, and that's enough for me to want to do that. So that that's kind of where I would stand. 
I you, can do see you how, disagree with that? Sorry, I was taking I was taking a swig of water. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can see no, I can see how that's reasonable. Okay. Yeah, if you if you're not giving up Cam Johnson for Harrison Bar- Barnes and you did it right now, yeah, I, you, that's fine. All right. I mean, I I have my doubts about like okay, guys, this is exactly what we needed. Let's go. We're you know <laughs> we're we're gonna beat the Bucks, but like I can talk myself into it being at least it'll be a different look. You know, I out of all these fan bases, Hawks, Kings. Knicks, Jazz, Thunder. Which one do you think is going to find this podcast and get mad at us? <laughs> Thunder, um, probably, right? <laughs> because he's the least available of all these guys. Yeah, th- Thunder fans are going to be mad. Thunder fans are always mad because, you know, I'll, I'll say this about them. They think there's a double standard that's applied towards the way people talk about the Thunders tanking versus other teams, say Houston or, or Orlando or these other teams that are kind of blatantly doing it. But I think mm-hmm. the difference is just... OKC's already found a guy who's really, really, really good and ready to win in Shea. And, and is older, yeah. That mm-hmm. doesn't exist in Houston. You know, and, like if you want to talk about sitting like, him. Christian yeah. Wood was not that in Houston. Christian Wood, <laughs> yeah, we, no. we saw what the value was for Christian Wood when they actually traded him to Dallas. It wasn't that much. He's kind of a hot-headed player who has skills, but maybe doesn't completely fit in the modern NBA. Shea is not that. Orlando did not have, uh, or, or does not have a player like that either. So, yeah, they just kind of start doing right by that guy. And, um... Yeah, I, I don't care if they find it, then fuck them. Hopefully we release this podcast and then we trade for Kevin Durant right afterwards and we don't have to think about any of these options, at least in the short term. But if you have any other contingency plan options for us, we'd love to hear them. Please just send them to us and we will consider them as well. And we'll be back with a Patreon podcast tomorrow, I think is the idea. For those of you listening, that would be Wednesday is when we plan on recording that. So get your questions ready. That one should be a mailbag. That's for people on our Patreon. If you want to join, it's patreon.com slash the timeline. But we appreciate you guys. And if there's any new news between now and our next normal record, we'll be back to cover it depending on how big of a news it is. But we appreciate you guys back soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.